If you will, turn to the seventh chapter of the book of Matthew. This evening we'll be looking at two verses, verses 13 and 14. If you're using a pew Bible, it's on page 812. This is God's holy and inerrant word, so let us give careful attention to it. The word of God says, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Again, Father, we pray that you would speak to our hearts now, that you would reveal our Lord and our Savior in the manner that he should be revealed and that we would glory in the knowledge of who he is more and more as we grow in grace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. At least, at last count, scholars have stated that there is at least 7,000 different religions in existence in the world today. While some only offer instruction on how to live on this side of life and do not propose to have any answers concerning eternal matters, the mass majority of them assert some form of guidance concerning beyond, the beyond, the here and now, and what one must do to get there. Some might very well exist, but I don't know personally of any which boldly proclaim or teach, here is the way to hell. Or maybe a how-to book and how to bust the gates of hell wide open for your eternal penance or misery. No such book, none that I know of teach that. So what are we to make of all these different religions, 7,000 religions? What, do we make, what are we to make of all these different religions? Is Christianity really, is it really the only way, or are we just a bunch of elitists who take pride in thinking we have the answers and others don't? What is the leader of this way? For that is indeed what this was called, Christianity was called. It was called the people, we were called the people of the way before we were called Christians at Antioch for the first time. So what does the leader of this way have to say concerning this matter? What must we do in response to what he has said? These are some questions that are common to those who engage in this area of theological apologetics and to some who harbor vestiges of doubt but are unwilling to admit to having those doubts. This evening as we continue moving through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, it is my hope that these questions will be answered, those questions along with several others that we commonly entertain or hear in our day. So thus far, against the backdrop of the prevailing notions concerning the kingdom of God, notions which were established through the teachings of the scribes and the Pharisees, Jesus has taught us what this kingdom is really like. He has brought to light which characterizes uh, those, the characterization of those that are in or will be in his kingdom, those that are in, that are his. Again, they hunger and thirst after righteousness. They're merciful, pure in heart, are peacemakers and are subject to being persecuted and reviled 
They are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Those that are called his are called to a higher ethic, an ethic that goes beyond the natural. For, for what natural man wants to hear and practice if anyone slaps you on the right cheek? Turn to the other also. Oh, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Let me tell you, folks, my first inclination is not to love my enemies, but to see them get smacked in HD and live, not Memorex. You who are older might remember what that is. I don't naturally love those who are politically on the other end of the spectrum from where I am, especially in this day and age. I'm not pleased to engage those who would take that which I have. But in the midst of my angst, I hear, if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Those who are honest will admit we wrestle with this kind of stuff all the time. It's not natural for us. But we are nevertheless called to obediently engage as an expression of our love for God and for our neighbor. So now on the heel of all we've heard and we're taught, we're brought to what is essentially the ending portion of this sermon. That is verses 13 through 27 of chapter 7. And what we have before us, particularly this evening, is what amounts to Jesus' appeal, the appeal that he has been moving us towards the entire time. It's called, it's a call for a decision to either become a citizen of the kingdom of Christ or remain a citizen of this fallen world. A choice to enter the kingdom or not, and to do so the way he, Jesus, has prescribed. Listen, what Jesus is doing here is not new. I believe it was Jesus who spoke. I believe it was Jesus who spoke out of the burning bush on Mount Horeb. I believe it was he who in the book of Deuteronomy instructed Moses to tell the Israelites who were in the wilderness, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him. Joshua a type and shadow of Jesus, whose name is actually the same, confronted the people of Israel after they had entered the promised land. Moving from God's voice to his own, he said to them, I gave you a land on which you had not labored and cities that you had not built, and you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity, and in faithfulness, put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me, he said, and my house, we will serve the Lord. The prophet Elijah, speaking from Mount Carmel, asked the people of God, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. 
In all three of those instances, I want you to notice that the listeners were called to make a decision between only two options, the God of creation or not the God of creation. In Joshua's account, there were multiple gods with a small g to choose from. In Elijah's account, there was Baal. But in every case, the ultimate choice remained the same. It was a choice between the creator of human, the creator or human machinations, human achievement, human ingen, ingenuity. Little gods created out of the idle factories of fallen human hearts. And now as we come to our text, we find consistency in how the scripture approaches this matter. For here we immediately find the same binary of choices. There is a narrow gate and a wide gate. There is an easy way and there is a hard way. One leads to life and the other to destruction. And finally, one is highly populated and the other is not. So let's look at these things under two overarching headings this evening. The two gates and the two ways. First, the two gates. When talking about the two gates, there's an essential question that must be answered. And that question must be answered because it is the very core and essence of what Jesus is saying here. The question is, how is man made right with God? John MacArthur, in addressing this question, wrote, There have always been two systems in the world. One is God's system of divine accomplishment, and the other is man's system of human achievement. One is the religion of God's grace, the other the religion of man's work. One is the religion of faith, the other the religion of the flesh. Within man's system, there are thousands of religious forms and names, but they're all built on the achievements of man and the inspiration of Satan. Christianity, on the other hand, he said, is the religion of divine accomplishment, and it stands alone. MacArthur went on to state what all of us should know, and that is even the law that was given to Moses was not a means of salvation. Instead, it was to show us our sin, our guilt before a thrice holy God. It was to reveal the need for something or someone greater, and that someone is speaking clearly to us here in our text saying, enter by the narrow gate. Brothers and sisters, like the prophets before him, this is no laying out of a command which we are to admire from afar. This is a call to act decisively and to do so now. And it is not a call to just enter any gate or some gate. It is a call to enter the right gate, God's gate, the only gate that leads to life and to heaven. And guess what? That gate has a name. It has several names, as a matter of fact. Among them, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the Lion of Judah, the Alpha and Omega. The gate itself has spoken and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father except through me. Understand this. When we proclaim that Jesus is the only way, we are not spouting off our own opinion. Listen to me, those of you that are on your way to college, those of you that will be deceived by secular colleges and everything else. We do not proclaim or spout off our own opinion. That which we choose to believe or that which someone else has brainwashed us or conned us into believing or our parents have driven us to believe or wanting to believe. 
we stand on the words of the Apostle Peter who said, We do not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves, he says, heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. We, brothers and sisters, were persuaded by the revealed word of God and are assured when after the historically proven resurrection of Christ, we hear the voice of those who were formerly hiding and were fearful proclaiming under the threat of harm. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is not another name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. He is the gate, the only right gate. There are many other concocted entryways that form a wide gate, all promised life, but only one delivers on that promise. According to our text, there are many who are flocking to and entering through the wide gate. I would submit to you that many have chosen that route because it allows them to be who and what they want to be. You see, there is no need for true repentance at the wide gate. You can be who you want to be. You can act how you want to act. You can say or do whatever you choose. It's easy street and comfort boulevard located right next to me, myself, and I highway. Many, I tell you, have flocked to and crept through the wide gate. But the question at hand is, are they right in thinking they're going to get to the same destination as those who went through the narrow gate. Let's answer that question under our second heading, the two ways. The word way in our text can also be translated as road or journey. What we see here in our text is two different sets of people. Some have entered through a narrow gate and some have entered through a wide gate. Both have embarked on a journey. Both believe their journey will end well. The scribes and the Pharisees were fully persuaded that they were on their way to heaven. You realize that, right? They were, they were fully persuaded that they were on their way to heaven. And sadly, as separatists, they probably actually thought they had entered a narrow gate. After all, they, they might have reasoned, have you seen the folks around us? You think of, again, the Pharisee in Luke 18 who talked about the publican. Look at him. I thank God I'm not like him. And so they, again, were looking at themselves through the prism of how they saw others. And so by the time Jesus spoke these words to them, many of them were probably so hardened in their hearts that they actually still believe they were on the straight and narrow path. A path that was going to take them to paradise. And that, folks, is how it is with many that are followers of all these different religions. They mean well. They might very well mean well. They might be sincere in their thinking. But unfortunately, they're sincerely wrong. And quite frankly, although uh, we might not humanistically understand it, they are in fact rebelling against God. And it is not going to end well 
for them. Or as Proverbs 16.25 says, declares, there was a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Here I'm reminded of John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress and Christian's discourse with the characters whose name were formality and hypocrisy. In the story, Christian had entered the narrow gate and was on his journey to the celestial city. On his way, he saw formality and hypocrisy as they came tumbling over the wall. They did not enter in through the narrow gate that's in our passage, but over a wall of human achievement. And when Christian asked them about that, they declared that the gate was too far from where they had come from. And thus it was more practical. It was much more practical to enter the way they did. Christian pressed them further asking, and I'm speaking in our vernacular now, but wait a minute, isn't what you did a sin against the Lord? seeing as how you violated his revealed will? Formality and hypocrisy's response at this point was very revealing as it relates to what we see here in our text and how people think in our day. First, they said, don't worry about that. Plenty of people have been doing this for years. It's all part of an established tradition. And if we're here, why does it matter which way we got in? If we're in, we're in. We're not talking about it being in heaven. We're talking about the way, the path to heaven. How do you get there? How are you reconciled with God? You're here on the same journey, they said to him, as we are. And from what we perceive, you came in at the, same, at the gate, and yet here we are on the same journey. We tumbled over the wall. You came through the gate. But here we are on the exact same journey, the same journey of religiosity, the same journey of communicating with God and, and courting favor with God, the same journey as earning merit in their minds. That's what they're thinking. You came through the gate, and we again came tumbling over the Lord, over the wall, they said. Yet how is your present condition any better than ours? And so it is with many people who are in all these different religions and all these different things. They believe that they are on the path to heaven. And if you were to tell them differently, they would look at you like something is wrong with you. Christian, however, in no with no uncertainty in his voice, answered them saying, I walk. He's answering the question, how are you any different than me? How are you any way in right standing with God, and I am not. Christian in no uncertainty said, I walk by the rule of my master. You walk by the rude working of your fancies. You are counted thieves already by the Lord of the way. Therefore, there is no doubt in my mind you will not be found true men at the end of the way. You come in, listen to this, you come in by yourselves without his direction and shall go out by yourself without his mercy. Formality and hypocrisy then tried to justify themselves as so many people do. And you've been hearing this lately in this church over and over about justifying yourself, about saying you're in good standing because you're Presbyterian, because your parents, because your heritage. And so they try to justify themselves by saying, listen, we believe the law and ordinances of the law and we're conscientiously following them just as you are. We are following the law. 
To this Christian immediately retorted, by laws and ordinances you will not be saved since you did not come in through the door. That's the narrow gate, y'all, the door. Let me remind you that in John 10, 9, Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. It's a statement. I'm not making the statement about the exclusiveness of Christ. He is. It's a statement of exclusivity. There is no other way. Christians' response to formality and hypocrisy mirrored that of the Apostle Paul in his retort to the Judaizers in Galatians 2.16. Paul said, Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. After the conversation was finished, formality and hypocrisy went on their way, just as Christian did. All three came upon hardship, for in truth the scriptures declare it rains on the just and on the unjust. All suffer hard times. Hard time comes to both sets of people, those who are Christ and those who are not. But brothers and sisters, the difference is, it is the Lord himself who causes those who are his to persevere. It is the Lord himself who makes a way out of no way. It is the Lord himself who draws up his people out of the miry clay. And so it is the Lord himself who preserves the life of those that are his. And sure enough, Christian went through all kinds of hardship. Listen, when difficulty comes, those who started the journey through the wide gate by nature will not turn to the Lord of deliverance, nor will they seek his face. They will resort to their own means, to the way that seems right to them. And so it was with formality and hypocrisy. When they arrived at the hill named Difficulty, one chose to go down a path called Danger, and the other chose to go down a path called destruction. Both fell, we hear, and were no more. You see, both were blinded by their tradition and hypocrisy. Both were deceived and paid no attention to the names associated with those pasts. Instead, they reasoned in their minds that the names of those pasts were easy street and religious avenue. They were blinded. They were blinded by the God of this age and unable to see the potholes of pride where they went. They were unable to see the true nature of their sin and the depth of their sin. They were unable to see any of that, and they did not cry out to the Lord of the gate. And so they found no mercy anyway. Christian, on the other hand, arrived at the same mountain, but he refused to go down those paths. He refused to turn back. And he refused to look for that which was easy. He went down the straight and the narrow because at this point, remember, if you remember the story, if you haven't read this thing, you need to go read this thing. You get fired up when you know Christianity and you read that stuff. It's like, man, this is some good stuff. Okay? So if you haven't read it, go back and read it. And then you'll be like, oh, that's what Dean was talking about. All right? Now, so, so Christian, remember, left four children and a wife. He left everything. He had a load on his back, 
And he went with that load on his back, but he saw what was in front of him. So he refused to turn back and he refused to look for that which was easy. Because at this point, he was thus persuaded that he was looking for a city whose maker and builder was God. He was persuaded that the gate he had entered was the right one and that the difficulties that he was now facing was temporary. The pain, the trials, everything was temporary and not worthy to be compared with the eternal weight of glory which awaited him in the celestial city. And so Christian was accounted as one of those of whom verse 14 in our text says indicates or amount among the few who find it. The word found here in verse 14 at the end of our passage, it, 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 it signifies a high level of intentionality and diligence. Folks, folks just don't stumble into this gate, okay? Listen to what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 29, 13. The Lord said, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, our Lord said in this very sermon, for they shall be satisfied. There is diligence in arriving at this gate. And some say, oh, wait, wait a minute. What about the fact that it's the Holy Spirit that regenerates and calls and brings that is absolutely true, but the Bible teaches both things equally, and you cannot separate them. We are to seek, we are to knock, and we find when we diligently do so. So hearing this, let me ask you, do you know Christ because you sought him diligently, and he has revealed himself to you through his word and the testimony of his spirit? Or are you here this evening because this is your social gathering time. Or maybe because you believe Jesus is a good moral teacher who's teaching you admire and find worthy of surface consideration. Are you? Now, you know, they typically say that the, the evening crew is the sold out bunch. And so it's, you're speaking sort of to the choir in the, in the evening service, but who knows? If you've been attending on a regular basis again, you've heard what I'm saying quite frequently as of late. If you're relying on your religious pedigree, your familial association to religious uh, folk, your good works, anything that you're looking at as being a gate, those are all cat categorized as wide gates. In today's culture, in today's culture, those who have uh, walk through the wide gate are as shifty as the wind. Whatever culture deems to be acceptable, they advocate. Whatever culture deems to be unacceptable, they then also call unacceptable. Well, one problem with being like that is we live in an age when, as the prophet Isaiah aptly described as one where good is often called bad and that which is bad is called good. We're in an eclectic age where the end thing is to say there are many ways to God. And if you don't agree, you're bad. You're very bad. And so again, we rest and stand in what is a very exclusive doctrine. And we rest and stand in that, not because we want to believe that, because the word of God testifies to that very thing. And the resurrection of Christ bears it out. 
In Isaiah 59, 14, the prophet declared that truth had fallen in the street. Well, here in the United States, not only has it fallen, it's unconscious in the middle of the road and desperately in need of CPR. Common sense and civility tried to intervene and, and, and perform CPR, but they too were overcome and stand in the need of something greater to rescue them. We have pastors refusing to say what Jesus says here, stumbling and bumbling all over the place, talking about who am I to judge if there's only one way. We have people like Oprah asserting the opposite of what Jesus says here, that there are many ways to heaven and pastors bending to her assertion doing interviews with her. But brothers and sisters, what does our text clearly Clearly say here again, enter by the narrow gate. There is only one gate. There's only one true gate. And let me say this. By God's grace, may these things never be said. The things that people are saying here that there are many ways and questioning that and allowing people to say that. May these things never be said of anyone who hears the sound of my voice that you are compromising in this area. May this never be said of any pastor that God calls to his service in this church, that there are many ways to heaven. That, oh, Jesus, if you just, you know, just, just, just try your best. Just do whatever you can. That that'll be okay. And may we all seek to diligently lead others to the narrow gate. The gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. It is hard. We sacrifice ourselves. There are things that we don't allow ourselves to watch. There are things that we don't allow ourselves to, to speak. There are things that we absolutely, our flesh, might call out to engage in them. But we don't engage in those things. Remember, in that story that I just told you, Christian had a whole backpack, if you will, filled with sin. And it fell off when he did what? He looked at the cross of Jesus Christ. When he saw the cross of Jesus Christ, the load that was on his back fell off. And he knew then that he had walked through the right gate. He knew then that the door was opened by God's grace. And he knew then and there that he was going to make a commitment to never look back because again, the God that was saving him was greater than anything that was behind him. And so may we also be that way, doing so in full confidence, a confidence grounded in the faithfulness of the one call, faithful and true. Let's pray. Father, right from the onset here, our Lord has given us two options. There's a narrow gate and there is a wide gate. And just like the prophets of old who all gave only two ultimate choices, 
And just like Jesus confronted the Pharisees and said, not you are of some person of this and some person of that, but you are of your father, the devil. And then he spoke to others and called them his children. So there are only two sets, only two gates and two ways and two roads. And we pray, Lord, that you would continue to guide us so that we would wholeheartedly embrace the true gate, that we would wholeheartedly go down the, the one path that is set before us. We know and understand that if it were not for your grace, if it were not for the faith that you gave to us, we would absolutely not be able to do any such thing. And so we plead with you that you would indeed give us the faith, that you would indeed continue to pour out your grace upon us so that we would walk with, through, in the gate, that we would walk down the paths of the straight and narrow that you've laid before us, that we would endure all, no matter what, knowing that the celestial city is before us and the true gate has made a way for us to be reconciled to you, our God. Father, would you bless us with the understanding of these things? Would you cause us to live in light of this very fact and cause us to live uncompromisingly as we evangelize others knowing that there is a way that seems right to man, but the end is destruction, but there's a way that leadeth to life. May we speak to others concerning that way. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.